Anyone who spends any time in the lives of teenagers knows there's stress involved. Kids aren't sleeping enough, they're studying too much and taking too many classes that are too hard and trying to fit way more into their lives in terms of extracurricular activities. And many have family responsibilities and part-time jobs to contend with as well. And the result is higher incidence of health problems resulting from this stress, including most sadly an increased and increasing degree of suicide among teenagers, which is the second leading cause of death among people aged 10 to 24. What's driving this behavior? Well, getting into college is playing a huge role. What can we do about it? Let's learn more from Stanford Graduate School of Education professor, Dr. Denise Pope. Welcome to The Crush. Welcome to The Crush. I'm Davin Sweeney, a college admissions counselor that talks to interesting people about the world of college and college admissions. Please rate this show on iTunes if you haven't yet. Follow me on Twitter at CrushPod. Like the show on Facebook, all that kind of stuff. So Denise Pope is working to actively reduce student stress in high schools. She talked to me about ways her organization Challenge Success is making real changes inside schools. As I mentioned in the interview with Denise, there's a lot of talk these days about the issue of student stress and college admissions as a driver of it. She's done research on a lot of this stuff and figured out that it's a real thing, it's not some media creation, and there are real things that can safely reduce the stress and kids can still get into college, and she's partnered with a lot of interesting people to make these changes. Some of those people are those responsible for producing the Turning the Tide report at the Harvard Graduate School of Education, which is a statement signed by over 100 people representing colleges and universities and organizations. And the recommendations in the report are trying to get to the same issues that Denise is. She helped them put it together, in fact. So take a minute uh, and Google it if you haven't checked it out already. Denise is a big fan, and I think it would help color your understanding of the issue she's talking about uh, for you to take a look at it, uh, again, if you haven't done it already. She has authored two books. One is called Doing School and the Latest with co-authors Maureen Brown and Sarah Miles called Overloaded and Underprepared, Strategies for Stronger Schools and Healthy, Successful Kids. She and her organization have given hundreds of presentations and workshops to students, parents, and school staff alike. I happened to be in the San Francisco area for a conference and was able to link up with Denise at Palo Alto Cafe in guess where? That's right, Palo Alto, California, just a few miles from her home base at Stanford. So a quick word about uh, the recording here. It might be a little bit noisy at points because we were sitting outdoors enjoying the local flavor. So, you know, it sounds basically like if you were just sitting there with us during this conversation. It's super realistic. A special thanks to Bruce Reed at Compass for the connection. Do you live around here? No, we live south. I actually live on the same street that the famous Steve Jobs garage is. Uh-huh. We have tour buses up and down our street. So it's considered Los Altos. It's really Cupertino. Mm-hmm. So, um, Does that garage help your home value? Uh, no, I think, it, <laughs> I think it actually makes it go down. Because of all you the have tour throngs and of people tours. Are, yeah. I mean, there's... My parents who came up and visited from LA, they're like, "You got people on your street all day long." I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> that's like, part like of the deal." Pressing Parking, their forehead getting, to yeah. that garage. And I came home one day, someone was taking pictures of my house. I was like, "Wrong house, <laughs> two down. <laughs> you don't want my house. I got nothing." Um, so, how uh, did you find your way to Stanford? I went to Stanford as an undergrad. Cool. Where are you from here? I'm from LA. Uh, yeah. Valley girl. Right. What high school did for you sure, go to? For sure. I went to Westlake, yep. which before it became Harvard Westlake, so yep. it was all girls 
private all girls school. Right. Um, I loved it yeah. actually, and uh, I'm on the board of an all girls school up here. I have my two of my three kids, the two girls of mine, are at that school. Well, one's a graduate. Um, so three kids, good for you. Three kids, yeah. Yeah. Fun. I have one, and she feels like three. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I can see. <laughs> How old is she? Three. She's three. She's three. Well, that's so why it's she like feels one like of three. her for each yeah. of her years on Earth so yeah. far. Yeah, exactly. That's why she feels that way. Yeah. Um, well, my oldest turns 20 next week. So I've already been through the college application process with one. And I have one who is applying to colleges right now. In fact, she's going to take the ACT plus writing tomorrow. Right on. And uh, so I feel like I can preach all I want, but I've got to really practice what I preach too as a mom. Right. And not like run home right now to hover over her to make sure that she's studying. Correct. <laughs> yeah. and, and my kids are very... Um, going back to that conversation that I just had with him, we have said, we do not care. So my husband went to Stanford too. We met at Stanford and on the very first day. And we have had to say out loud to them, we do not care where you go to college. Yeah. Um, there's a very, 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 very high chance that you won't get into Stanford, yeah. even if there was somewhere you wanted to apply. So, so far, kid number one, no way. Was she applying to Stanford? Kid number two, maybe kid number three. We'll see. Well, it's, I mean, I have this on my on my list, but since since we're here, sure. you know, it's one of the things that um, I feel like I've experienced increasingly that the more so I've been doing this for probably close to ten years. In talking to all of the adults, you know, I mean, it's it's okay. So sometimes I get very powerful adults who are clearly in the driver's seat. But, you know, I talk to a lot of guidance counselors, parents are like, I don't care what they do. Right. I mean, I don't, you know, that's, they're doing their own, you know. And I go to some places that are, you know, I mean, it's like the New York equivalent of Palo Alto and some of these places, you know, Westchester County and sure. places like this. And um, it seems that the stress is really not coming from the adults, it's coming from the kids or reinforcing each other a little bit about this. What do you think? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I definitely have been in areas, um, parts of New Jersey, most recently Boston, um, Texas, where the parents will say, um, we paid a lot of money to live in this neighborhood, um, or we're spending a lot of money to send you to XYZ independent school, and um, it really does matter to us where you go to college, because the parents truly believe that there's a connection between where their kid goes and future success. Um, that said, I have had, and so sometimes you get a mismatch where the kids are like, oh, help me you know I want to go I'm really excited about Clark uh, University my parents have never heard of Clark this is like where I belong can you convince them so we have that sometimes yeah. but then I also have like you said parents saying oh my gosh we don't care we just want them to be happy and healthy and she is stressing herself out and taking so many AP classes and um, you know we don't know what to do so I've seen it really powerfully both ways and the school has a role too mm -hmm. because a lot of these schools both public and private um the college uh, uh the sorry high, school? high schools yeah. both public and private or independent or charter or parochial um for them it's a bread and butter thing for them you know if we're a college prep school we want to publish our list we 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 want to make sure we can say we get people in to these schools so i think it's really a systemic issue and it's the educators, the parents, and the kids, and different combinations feeling that pressure.
I think it's also a consequence of the fact that people haven't figured out how to do a good three-page college high school profile. Hallelujah. And you yes. need a fourth page, and you got to put something on that. You might as well put the list of all the schools right. everybody got into. Right. Right. <laughs> but no, you're right. I mean, that's the that's how it's, that's how the school. You know, I mean, and that's how you, we're all looking for a shortcut. Right. Because it's a really really complex thing that's going on. Right. How do I know that that's a school that's worth my time to go to, representing the kind of school that I represent? Right. Well, because their kids tend to go to schools that look like mine. So I, know. I understand, right? And so then it becomes a cycle. But I think because you know the. What I think a lot of people don't know is that at schools like yours where you have regional reps, you do know a lot of the schools. And that is that is what you're paid to, to do. So the people, big bucks. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Aren't you wealthy? Yes. So um so I think there's I think there's so much unknown surrounding this college admission system and one big unknown is uh, actually, we do know the school, and we do know that an A at this school is not the same as an A at this school. Because that, that's one thing that kids say to me all the time. Like, do they know how hard it is to get an A here and, and down the street it's so much easier? Yeah, a lot of times they do. Unless you're a brand new school or kind of not one that's been on the radar screen. And you're, I'm sure you're constantly going to new schools to learn. The other thing is that there are constantly new admissions counselors that are going to schools now. That's probably less likely to be the case in a, in a, in a more kind of high test environment. Right. You know, you're not right. going to send your fresh kids, your fresh admissions counselors into these places that are really, you know, sort of uh, valuable from a uh, right. vomit prestige standpoint. But you know, yeah, that, that's 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 a, a concern I hear from guidance counselors. Like, there's so much rotation who comes to what, my school. That this is helpful. How but, do they really know but us? Yeah, but you're right. I mean, you know, I mean, it's oh, well, another reason for the importance of the profile. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think the profile is hugely important, and parents don't even know there is such a thing as a profile. <laughs> so a lot of times when we do our sort of college admissions 101 at Challenge Success, we have to say, actually, <laughs> there's this thing. And so, if one of the things we talk about is eliminating APs, right, or reducing APs at schools, or changing APs at school, or um, and the parents will say. You know, wait a minute. This isn't that going to hurt their chances of getting in? We'll say, well, one of the things is it will be right there on the profile, and they will understand that AP US history was not an option at your school, and that they cannot ding your child for not taking it if it wasn't an option. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot of mystery shrouding this college admissions process that we're really trying to 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 be as transparent as possible and say, like, this is how it works. It's not a perfect system. So from your standpoint, um, and I'm going to ask you to summarize a little bit of what Challenge Success is, but from your standpoint, you know, what are the, what are those sort of primary mysteries that you're trying to hack away at? So we, um, we put on workshops around this and, and write about this. So one is uh, nobody gets into their first choice school or, or it's impossible to get into your first choice school. I mean, the reality is the majority of kids in the United States get into their first choice school. Now you have to take that with a grain of salt because majority of kids are not applying to the Ivy. Right, right, right. right. Schools, yeah. So okay, so so sometimes that calms people down. Sometimes they say, well, well, okay, that's fine, but we're applying to these top top schools. So another sort of myth that 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 people don't understand is that and college admissions officers don't like it when I say this, so don't blanch. <sighs> Here it comes. It doesn't really matter where you go to undergraduate 
college. Oh no! That, well, yeah, you're talking that. to the wrong guy then. Yeah, because I, 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 I am on the same mission. I figured. So, so um, people fight us on this. So I have to show them the research, right? We show Kruger and Dale um, from Princeton University Economics, right? They have surveyed and surveyed and surveyed. They have looked. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, they have replicated the study. So we're talking about Palo Alto. We're talking about, I mean, there's there's some science going on, okay? So does research work So when research, you talk to parents? Yeah, okay, so, so people around here and people- sometimes they just, hyperbole is much more effective. Okay, yes, yeah, so we try everything, right? I'll tell you what doesn't work is the fear factor, the scared straight approach, that oh, doesn't yeah, work. Yeah. So I will try research, I will try you know, pathos, ethos, whatever you learned in, in, in high school about persuasion, at some point you have to say, the health and well-being of my child comes first. So the reason we call ourselves challenge success is we are challenging this notion, this very narrow notion of success as connected to academics. We're challenging this notion that success is singularly related to academics, performance, trophies, where you go to school, the name of the college for the bumper sticker on the back of your car, and instead saying there's a much broader definition of success that actually plays itself out in the real world. And at baseline, you cannot be successful if you're not healthy. So all of these things, um, that you're doing to try and get into college as a kid or get your kid into college as a parent, if they are, if it's causing depression, sleep deprivation, cutting, suicide ideation, right? This is what we're seeing in the long run. You got one body, it's gotta last you your whole life. Like this is not, you know, okay. And, and I, I will say at a top school, a couple years ago, I read that the valedictorian could not walk across the stage to pick up her diploma because she was in the health center with severe anorexia. Okay, that's not success. No, it was a school, a, a counselor at a, at a school in Westchester County told me a kid graduated from a hospital bed with, uh, with panic and anxiety. Right. right, and by the way, she got into every school she applied to. You know, so... I, not worth it. No! At what point do you say, this is madness, this is craziness? Yeah. So we, we try to um, really show people the big picture and to let them know that your job as a parent is to focus on a healthy, engaged kid. Someone who's excited about learning, someone who can take care of themselves, someone who's resilient, someone who um, has good character and integrity. That's your real job as a parent. And unfortunately, parents spend a whole heck of a lot of time worrying and fretting and hiring tutors in this area of academics and not enough time at all on those other skills. And then they get to colleges like Stanford and perhaps at years two, and the health center is overflow because they have not learned how to take care of themselves. Um, they've been robo students going, 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 going without um, really a sense of purpose. Um, and Or they've been so focused on this that they don't know basic everyday things like dating or having a fight with your roommate or how to do laundry, right? And it's just not, they're not ready. They're not ready for college. So, um, so one of the things we do at Challenge Success is we we help people define success differently for themselves, for the kids, for their parents, and then we help schools do what they can do to really change their practices and policies to make a difference at the high school level so that ideally we're being preventative, right? We're being proactive 
so that if you're if you're a really engaged kid, you're really healthy, you get that college is about a match, not a trophy. That's our that's one of our, the things that we do. Right. You're sort of like this maybe the second person that I've talked to that has dealt with these the, these issues in professional fashion. One was Bill DeRigowitz, who's the first guy that I spoke Love to him. who, you know, wrote this book, Excellent Sheep, you know, and talking about, you know, you said robo students, and we're for a lot of the same kind of students that he's talking about. You know, and then here we are in, in, in Stanford, uh, you know, one of or Palo Alto one who's one of uh, you know, uh, residents here, uh, Julia Lifcott Hames has, has found some success with, with her book. Uh, uh, how to raise an adult, which has come up, you know, often in, in conversations with folks that I've spoken with yeah. for this podcast. She's on the board. Elsewhere. She's on the challenge that says board. I like to say I taught her everything she knows in that book. She interviewed me multiple times for that book. So awesome. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> the you know. So my question is, you know, is the is the um, the emergence of media on this issue and the emergence of you know resources and reaction to this issue even if it is meant to be proactive, you know, this is coming from somewhere. Is it just that, you know, you guys are all suddenly here to realize it and deal with it? Or, or is this a really, is this a new thing? And in what concrete ways can we point to this being, you know, a, a recent phenomenon and emergence? So that's a great question. So I have talked to folks like, and I'm just going to name names, you can edit these out if you want, Ken Ginsberg and Wendy Mogul and Madeline Levine, who's my co-founder, and, and all of us have been t sort of doing this for about a decade now. And what we, many of us agree is 10 years ago, I used to have to really convince people that this is a problem. And, you know, ring the alarm bell, that kids are not healthy, that hurting themselves all for the sake of academics and we're, we're, we're missing out on really important aspects of childhood. And that's when, you know, the Harvard Dean of Admissions, Fitzsimmons, wrote his thing. And, you know, and, and we had to really try to convince people. Now, we really don't have to convince people. They get and it. I, and I think they get it, and they say, what can we do? And they're frustrated with the system, and they feel, many of them feel there's no other option, and so they still have to do, until the system changes of college admissions, they still have to play this game, but they don't want to play it. Um, and then there's some who are actively rebelling against it and some who are, are getting it and are looking at these wonderful colleges that change lives and beyond the ones that are just on the list of that and, 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 and kind of finding it. So I would say maybe because of the media, maybe because the consequences have become so extreme, maybe because of the population boom, maybe because of No Child Left Behind and schools and accountability and a whole bunch of other reasons, um, we are now at a different place where people not only are willing to say, yes, the system is not working, but um, but what can we do about it? What's creating the stress? I think when I was, I'm older than you, so when I was growing up. I'm 55 years old. Are you, I'm, like, I'm just kidding. I'm like, you are not. I'm just kidding. <laughs> what are you eating and drinking? I'll take that. When I was growing up in LA, mm -hmm. okay, Pretty much if you got decent grades, you knew you were going into the University of California or USC. Um, and so you could kind of, you could be, you know, you had to get decent grades, you had to get decent grades, but you didn't need a 4.4. You didn't, I mean, I don't know, USC, it's so hard to get into USC compared to the past these days. You didn't need to be, you know. Okay, so that's one, one thing that's driving it is we have more kids than ever going to college. This is a good thing. Yeah. We have kids who um, would have never even thought about college as an option who are being encouraged to go, 
right? So one is, is, is literally demographics and population and numbers. Another is you have all the people who grew up who are having kids now who are college age who fear this system that looks like it's impossible to get in anywhere. And the media propels that, but also the kids you know propel that because the schools that we're used to hearing people getting into, you're now hearing it's like nearly impossible and nobody's getting in. That causes fear and mistrust. Um, and with this burgeoning college population, the spots at the college campuses at these schools that are considered top tier have not grown accordingly, <laughs> right? I think Stanford's grown by 100, maybe, <laughs> over the years. So we're at 1,700, maybe. Right. Um, so, and you hear these single digit admit numbers and you think, oh my gosh. Um, and then you are also going on old stereotypes of schools. And, and even I am to blame on this. Um, I just took my middle daughter on college tours and she got all excited about a school that, that 30 years ago when I was, you know, applying to colleges was not considered a really great school academically. It was actually kind of considered not so great. Well, oh my goodness, has this school reinvented itself. But I'm open enough to hear that, and I'm open enough to going on a tour with my kid and saying, yeah, you know, and she looked at me, and we went to a, a very name-brand school right after and had a kind of eh experience. And she said, why would anybody go here when you can go to this school? And, and, and like, she just doesn't even know the stereotypes, mm -hmm. right? Um, unless we were going to, you know, unless the adults of older age kind of explain it. On so, the other hand, I, just, I feel like it's a really brand conscious uh, generation. Society, yes. No, it is. It in is. Society, but in, in generation too. I mean, yes. more than ever, you got to have the, the cool thing. Right. And, you know, these names evoke right. feelings and emotions and stuff in, in a very, you know, psychologically powerful fashion that, that, that are you cannot possibly overcome. Right. I think it's really hard, although just like we tell them that, you know, if you shop at this store and get a good, you know, a good solid merchandise, you know, just like you try to teach them to not judge a book by its cover. So you're, you know, I mean, and you're, you're a, you deal in parenting, not just as one, but, sure. but academically. I mean, this is the thing that I, you know, that I'm seeing is that here we all are, you know, for one reason or another are, define it how you will, successful grownups on the other side of this whole thing telling kids take our word for it trust us uh, that doesn't tend to be a message that usually works right. really in any context right. when With you're talking to kids yeah, yeah, yeah. you know so what do you I mean how do, how, how do you deal with that well so I just asked this kid that I just interviewed the same question how did you get convinced and he said to do to, to take an alternate path right so basically. he did he, he eschewed prestige in favor of something maybe lesser than different. or something right right, okay. right than his peers and he's taking a gap year and, and and he basically said i had to hear it from someone i respected mm -hmm. which is key mm -hmm. um he said my parents said it all along i didn't really believe it or listen to it, it you know my peers we all push each other to get to this point everybody's kind of that's the other weird thing, by the way, about college admissions is like your best friends are also your biggest competitors now. And so how do you how do you handle that as a teenager, right? Um, in my first book, In Doing School, the um, one of the students said to me, don't tell my friends over there that I'm volunteering at this hospital. It's the one thing that separates me out from them because we're all Asian, we all get top grades, we all play musical instruments, we all do student council, this is my little thing that's going to differentiate me 
it's a very weird little sarcastic joke that comes out a lot of um, the mouths of kids and parents that I meet who say, when we found Rochester, we were like, we didn't want to tell anybody. Exactly. Right. Right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, we want this to be our school, and we don't ours. want anybody else to know it because then they're going to apply. Right. And they're, you know. Right. Meanwhile, I'm like, I need you to tell everyone. Right. <laughs> we well, need those applications. That's the irony, though. You need the applications as Rochester so that you can turn more people away, so that you can look more prestigious. I mean, you're not the cynical. I'm not saying that. No, to no, you. it's me personally. It's you personally. And I'm bad, <laughs> and let's just get it out there. Yep. Yep. I mean, that's part of the system too, right? You're Admissions right. is big business. Yes. And 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 um, at Stanford and many many schools, I'm told, you know, um, if we drop in the rankings, that is often tied to alumni giving. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a big business. So so people will say, why can't the schools just fill in the blank, do a lottery like Barry at Swarthmore wanted to do? You know, why can't they just? Um, uh, stop telling people to make take the most rigorous courses available. Don't they know they're stressing out kids? Yeah, but they it's not that easy to change at the admissions level either. Correct. Right? Right. I feel your pain in that sense. So, you know, this is kind of why you have the turning the tide group and the the common access, what is that called? Coalition for right? card carrying member. Card carrying over here. member right there. Okay. You know, and, and what I say, and actually I, I use Rochester in this, because my, my cousin... Go on. Okay, yes, you'll like this. My cousin knew that she wanted, or she thought she knew, she wanted to illustrate medical textbooks. Really cool. And Rochester is one of the only schools in the U.S. that actually has a major that allows you to combine these things. And she went to Rochester, and she loved it. And while she was there majoring in this, she said you know what, I think I want to be a doctor instead of illustrating these textbooks. And so now she's in medical school. But everybody who said... Usually I wish it's the reverse. I know, you know like. I know. But, but, but she said, um, saying that I was going to University of Rochester did not sound as prestigious to some of her friends who were yeah. going to some of these other places. Yeah. But she knew it was the perfect school for her because it had the major that she knew she wanted. We have kids who come to Stanford who don't realize that we don't have the majors that they want. Doesn't matter. Stanford, that's it. It's just Doesn't the matter. name, it's the weather, it's Silicon Valley. I mean, there are All they got to do is get there. there, and the rest is downhill, right? So they say that, right? So once I get in, I can have a life. They say that about not just Stanford, but anywhere. These kids really feel like it's worth it to mortgage their adolescence to once you get in, you can have a life. And then they, they write us back and they say, oh my gosh, it's so not, I'm not having a life. Or they'll say, I worked much harder in high school in college but they're not saying the right words like I'm loving what I'm learning all right so how do we you know to let me try again with this you know because I know this issue it goes in a thousand different directions all the time when you just start you pull one of these threads you know it tugs at this whole issue but you know how do you get through that with kids you know and, and you're about actions and uh, you know, best practices and strategies at work and getting them in the schools and into the heads of parents who have influence. You know, how do you push beyond? Because this is, you know, the whole, all kids are thinking about is getting in, as we just said. Getting in and then the rest will work itself out. But I just need to get there right. and then I'll figure it out later. And there's so much more, you know, and it ha you know, I mean, how do you, how do you encourage them to just let go? Step back, take it easy. You know, you're hurting yourself by doing more do less. Right, that's the irony, right? Yeah. So the irony is they're actually hampering 
their ability to get into these top schools by taking actions that they think are helping them to get in. If you're taking five or six AP classes But you time, can't just do nothing. Right, you can't just do nothing. So, okay, <coughs> let's talk about a kid's brain, right? Prefrontal cortex is not fully formed until you're in your late 20s. Yeah. Okay, the prefrontal cortex is the part of the brain that allows you to see ahead and to uh, executive plan and to see the train wreck that's coming down. Assess risk. Assess risk. So one of the things we do, and we have had success with this, is we have um, tools and little worksheet exercises things that we do with kids to help put in black and white so that they see the future. So an example in the book, we have a time wheel. And um, you have um, all the classes that you're gonna take and the amount of homework that those classes are gonna give each night. And then you have all your extracurricular activities planned and how much time you're gonna spend on those. And then we cross out nine hours for sleep because that's what you need when you're a teenager. Nine, not six on average, not five, not going to bed at two in the morning, nine. And we don't let anybody sign off on a schedule that's more than a 24 hour day. So the parent, the kid, and the counselor all have to sign this sheet saying, okay, we see that this is doable, or this is not doable, you need to drop something or rearrange. So they've come up with something that actually top totals above the number 24. Yes, <laughs> And you gotta yes, slice yes. it down. You yeah. only have this many hours in a day. You cannot do this schedule, even though you think you can, because you cannot assess the risk. And they'll say, well, if I don't do that, I'm not gonna get into XYZ school. And you will say, it doesn't matter, because if you're not sleeping and you're stressed out and you're in over your head, you are gonna hurt yourself and the chances of getting into that school anyway. So what kind of students are you talking about that you do this with? We do, so Challenge Success works with 150 schools across the US, actually globally now. And these are typically schools that have fairly high achieving kids. It's not the poorest of the poor, but it's a pretty good mix of um, sort of middle, upper middle, and high socioeconomic status. So let me ask you this. Um, Public, private, parochial, yeah. all of them. So because, I mean, and we, when you say here, we talk about the stress of, you know, planning yourself to death and doing more than 24 hours of work in a day. Um, it, it's really most the case with students that are pr pursuing admission to selective places. Correct. Which is an overwhelming minority of all of the college-bound kids in this country. So how in what or, or does the stress that they are generating as a result of going of, of, of pursuit of this very elite experience trickling down to the rest it, it absolutely is so if you if you think about just college admissions in general right one kid now is applying to 20 schools they're gonna get into they're gonna go to one let's say they get into all 20 which is weird but let's say they get into all 20 they've now taken up those 20 spots that's they're gonna pick one 19 kids on a wait list are now affected, right? It trickles down in that sense. The other way it trickles down is you have kids who say, I'm not even gonna attempt to play that game. So in the same school where you've got your high, high achieving, you know, I wanna get into the top selective colleges or whatever, you've got kids looking at that and saying, I'm not even gonna attempt to take AP US history. Is that a good thing? No, it's horrible. It's horrible. You want, you want kids to say on the one hand, like, I don't buy that. I don't want to be that. Pr I don't want to. I don't want to play into oh, that whole yes. thing. Right? You want that part, but you don't, but you want, don't them want them to then feel doubt stupid. their own capability. Right. We've got kids. So I, I was just at a public school in New Jersey, top public school in New Jersey, 
kids in their lowest, the lowest six of the of, of, of the, the of the senior class okay. are going to wonderful schools, mm-hmm. right? I dare people to name a bad college or bad university. That's that's the other thing, right? You say, oh, but I want them to go to a good school. Oh yeah. Okay, then name a bad one. I think that is like that. That is one of the best most elusive questions for people you know is this oh that's a good school right and you and and if you were to push back on that be like how do you know right i think that they would have a really hard time yeah so that's another exercise that we do right and 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 what comes out of that exercise is a good school is a good school for you how do you do what tell me about that exercise so we say right now with a partner list all the characteristics of a good school and list all the characteristics of a bad college or university. Mm, what did they put? They, like what have been it some depends of the more the interesting, person, right? interesting so, answers you've So seen. good, usually you have prestige or national ranking or stuff like that. But you also have things like weather. You have, I'm sorry, Rochester is probably not going to win that one. Listen, <laughs> you know, people have this perception that default weather is this yes, uh, here yes, in Palo Alto. Yes, okay, yes, weather yes. encompasses all of the... The, the, the magnificent the diversity seasons. of meteorological possibility. Yes, yes. I have one kid on the East Coast you and another client on the East Coast. I mean, they want diversity in weather. I was yeah, like, I'll okay. tell you. Four right. very clearly defined seasons. Yes. Okay? Yes. It is not snowing all year round. Okay, this is good. Portland, Oregon, on the other hand. That. Chinese water torture. That rain, is all year round. 45 and rainy. Yes, nine none of months my children are applying to the Pacific Northwest. Except in the drought years, and that's school. when all the Californians go, Oh, I like it here. I'm moving. <laughs> Anyways. Like, Oregon in the sunshine is one of the prettiest places you're ever going to see. Pretty cool, see. man. It's, it's the rarity Portland of it. It's an awesome yeah, city. Yeah. So they say weather and stuff. Weather. Like right. They say, um, <coughs> Does it have, you know, top engineering? Well, that's only for people person who wants to be an engineer. The humanities major over here is looking for the top English department, mm-hmm. right? Um, they will say uh, sports, uh, a D1, you know, NCAA, yeah. rah, rah, whatever. Well, for some people, yeah, but it, maybe you don't want that. Um, surrounding neighborhood, is it near a big town? Some people want it to be isolated or wrong. So what comes out is that what's good to someone is totally different than what's good to someone else. And so what's on the bad list? Um, professors don't teach, professors aren't the ones really teaching. Um, which happens. Which happens. Mm-hmm. So then you got to, if that's on your bad list, you probably want to go to a smaller uh, liberal arts kind of place where the professors are doing the teaching and there's not grad students and TAs. So tell me more bad ones. So what else is on the bad list? Um, um, uh, bad food and yeah. bad bad dorms and bad bad residential living. Which that I comes mean, up. Which again, you know, I mean, it makes sense. Like, it's a, it's just, it's the the bad things. I think aren't unrealistic the good things aren't unrealistic they're also maybe not as valid as kids think they are and then do you and then do you say so the point yeah yeah, so the point is the best college is the right fit between you and the kid between you and the school and then i give them the nc nsse data of the people who have now graduated and look back at their college experience and say what was most useful Mm -hmm. was strong relationship with a professor or a mentor extended time to do a project or paper or some kind of research mm-hmm. right um, community building um, you can get that anywhere mm-hmm. literally anywhere so if those are the criteria right and then I say okay and, and what do the employers want 
because that's also really important because you know now I'm told parents are saying kids are saying to me I would love to be an art history major but I can't be at Stanford and be an art history major my parents would kill me they're paying all this money to send me to Stanford I need a major in computer science right, right? we need art history majors we but aren't there but I mean isn't there a real thing about you know the employers are guilty of this too you know playing into the prestige game you know and reading and, and having a very quick synapse that fires it says oh good school that kid went to well they're because starting, I know that name you know they're starting to change their minds and Google is a really good example and the University of Rochester is a really good example because Google never used to look at University of Rochester and now they absolutely do and they found that the best hackers were coming out of the University of Kentucky and so they're you know so they Google admits that they used to look at 16 schools and they used to prioritize resumes by those 16 schools and they have absolutely changed that because they realize there's this thing where you're just getting the same kind of thinkers from the same kinds of schools and actually the better company is the company that, that prioritizes diversity and diverse thinking. So in very few fields and, and I found almost, almost none at this point does it matter where you go to undergraduate? It does matter where you go to graduate school, but not in ways that people think. So if you want to practice law, which is one of those places that people say, oh, law is notorious, they always look at where you went to school. If you want to practice law in San Francisco, it may be better. Golden Gate University Law School, which is in San Francisco and it has all of these connections, than to go to Harvard Law School, literally. Um, so, you know, we've talked to a lot of HR, hiring people, headhunters, CEOs, and, and unanimously they'll say it really in the long run is about who can think, what kind of person are they, can they get along with others, can they write, you know, can they communicate, um, and we'll choose that over prestige. Often they'll say they'd like both, and is that enough to mortgage your adolescence and damage your body, really not be prepared for sort of life in its grand scheme, for the, the small chance that you might end up at a company that they're going to look at the name of your college? Mm -hmm. Probably not. Probably not. So it's right there in the name of your organization, success. How do you know when you've achieved it? And, and are you achieving success Ooh. and is it working, you know, and is it filtering through to these communities that you're working with and hoping that it does work? Um, we have done a pretty extensive three-year evaluation yeah. of 30 schools that we worked with. So we survey kids, usually at the beginning before we start working with the school, before we start doing parent education and student education around this. And then we survey them kind of every two years after that. And we found that we are absolutely making a difference in, in, in really good ways. Um, when we ch get schools to change their schedules, when we get schools to, to, to implement late starts, when we get kids to get more sleep, a lot of really good things happen. At no change to, you know, college admissions and status and, and test scores and whatnot, we get kids more engaged with learning when we when we change and, and focus on sort of what is the school real the high school what does the high school really want these kids to know and be able to do when they get out. Um, you know, all these mission statements of high schools are beautiful, right? You're an, you're an admissions officer, you read these mission statements, yeah, we want curious thinkers, change agents, blah, 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 but, um, but how are they really doing that when they're just kind of AP mills, right? 
So we, we get them to really reflect. We get the parents and the kids to reflect too about the big picture, about the real meaning of success. And we know we're successful when we can see those real statistical differences on kids are sleeping more, their stress levels go down, uh, the worry scale, right, goes down, engagement goes up, cheating, which is a big issue of academic stress and this pressure to get in, um, goes down. So we, um, we're pretty excited about the effect we're having. How, how much, how, how many sort of years of, of data do you have to look at? I mean, kids from one point when you start sort of introducing these concepts to them till when? No, that's a good question. So it doesn't happen overnight. We can usually see a change if a school is very dedicated to doing these things in two to three years. Mm -hmm which is still that same cohort. You know, high school's four years. That's a lot. That's fast, No, so that's pretty fast. There are some schools that takes five to seven. And so that is means Is there a difference cohorts. that you can identify between one or the other? We've been asking environment that. Where Part of it is leadership yeah. and the buy-in of the administrators and the faculty to really um, champion this and, and, and fight for it and make the changes that need to happen and kind of stand up to the parents who really don't want change, a lot of them, and the kids who really don't want change. Um, so part of that is leadership. Part of that is just sort of what we call a readiness factor for a school. Why would the kids be pushing back against this? Oh. Because this is something that, you know, seems to me like uh, you tell me, uh, hey, um, I mean, I did this anyways. Uh, less homework, yeah, yeah. <laughs> more sleep. Yeah. You know, I didn't need research to show me that. That's yeah. kind of naturally like, what I was inclined I to do. Med rather snooze <laughs> and uh, right through zero period. Yeah. Um, and and all this stuff and like and trust us, it's still gonna work out fine. Is it that? Is it they don't trust you? Well, they don't trust you, but also you bring up zero period, so big contentious issue here in Palo Alto. So we tried to get the Palo Alto high schools to eliminate zero period. It's not healthy for kids to get up that way. But the kids push back. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I need that extra class. I love that class. Call it, still, I love it, that it's so ubiquitous, it's called zero. It's called zero. Like, why don't you just call it one? Why don't you just period. start it at one? Right, right. <laughs> no, no, it's crazy. So it's like one of the- cipher time. We are against zero periods for that very reason. It, no, no adolescent should be up that early. Um, nobody needs to take that extra class that badly. Few people on earth should be up that early. Yeah, Good Lord, these classes started at seven o'clock. Seven a.m., right? And these kids are nocturnal. Do you find yourself being rather effective at seven o'clock? No, I'm not. Some people are. Some people are. Some people will say, so but there's something that's what these about. Kids said. They're like, oh, we're morning people. Right, no, you're not. Right, you're right, an adolescent. Right, yeah. But there's something about the adolescent temperament Correct. that is unique Correct. about the physiology of Correct. an adolescent that, okay. Correct. Yeah. So yeah. that's a good example of, of why they would push back. They're worried mm -hmm. because they know how to do the system mm -hmm. as it exists. And if you change the system and you start doing more project based <coughs> learning, which we know is better for kids, but they can't prove their worth on these bubble tests. Mm -hmm. Um, they're worried that they're not going to be able to play the system. Mm -hmm. um, and some of them are very used to sort of cheating their way through or uh, kissing up their way through or what I call doing school. And any kind of change makes them nervous. People don't do well with change anyway. So doing school, which is the title of your book, which means you meet the bar, the goal, the you know measurement that establishes quote unquote success. You can do that. You do it, but you don't find meaning in what you're doing. You don't enjoy it. You are literally just a robo student. Mm -hmm. You are going page by page. You're playing the game. Kevin, in my book, would raise his hand like he had this system. Like every seven minutes, he knew to raise his hand, even if he didn't even do the reading. Just play the game and get through the day uh, for the sole goal of getting into college. This is his quote that he, he says to me. People don't go to school to learn. 
which as a teacher is just crushing, right? <laughs> People don't go to school to learn. They go to get the grades, which brings them to the college, which brings them the high paying job, which brings them the happiness. That is literally the equation. And it's a straight line. The money, the and happiness. It, and, and happiness and money and job and college are all tied together. And they will literally say to me, if I don't get into this school, I will be flipping burgers at McDonald's because there's no in between. Again, prefrontal cortex, right? That's the adolescent brain not fully understanding the reality. Do you have evidence that, I mean, kids, because of the afore and regularly mentioned prefrontal cortex issue, um, evidence probably doesn't matter that much. It's tough. Which it's is tough. to say, you know, do you, well, because I was just going to say, like, you can, is there anything that you have that you can point to to say, no, 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 college is, is still going to be fine. You know, you can still have the success that you want plus meaning that's, plus that's more you know curiosity and development is you know that's the research but the other thing that's really powerful for these kids is we get alumni mm -hmm. from their very same high school who took alternate paths stories who can come back power mm -hmm. of story mm -hmm. but power of story with a real person sitting up and saying you know what i did not get straight a's i did not take ap us history I went to a state school down the street, and now I fill in the blank. Run my own hedge fund, am the top cardiac surgeon, and blah, blah, blah. Like, whatever but These it is. kids go, yeah, but that was 10 years ago. It's well, you gotta now. get them kind of medium young alums, right? Mm -hmm. So so you get, um, you, you get, I wonder if, yeah. you get sort I'm, of I'm past in, their, medium young. in their late 20s. Yeah. Works pretty well. Right. Um, enough for maybe their older brother to have known who yeah. that person was, right. or for them to at least say, I had Mr. So-and-so for math, and you know, I failed that class, and now I, you know, use math all the time as an actuary. You yeah. know, so those stories are really powerful. Related to the idea of being able to sort of present to students that colleges are with you on this, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. We mentioned the Turning the Tide report, which, uh, uh, I have interviewed the um, the authors, yeah. and I am I have yet to um, to, to put that out, um, but it's there, and I'm going to do it. And uh, Big guys. and uh, yeah, I mean, and I think it's it's I've talked about it, and for those people who are listening who haven't read it, go you know press pause and go go take a look at it. And I've sort of talked about it as like the moral compass mm -hmm. of you know selective college admissions mm -hmm. in in large part. Um, it is it is a, a sort of a white paper document that seeks to do a lot of the same things that you're talking about, which is to you know, and it, and it's kind of a, a set of kind of guiding principles, right? Um, for colleges in large part too, right? right? I mean, and so then you've got in there for parents and kids, but mostly right. it's for colleges. And I'm looking at it right with that eye, you right? Know, like what can we do to to right. be? And that was Good. sort of the. Good. That was sort of the the goal, I think, when it was presented to, to to groups to 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 sign on, literally, to become signatories. And that's one of the powerful, most powerful pieces of the document, you know, is to look at who signed on to this. Right. One of the questions I had for them, you know, uh, was was whose job is it to hold these places accountable to this, yeah. right? And they're still working on it. They and are. That's what they say. But they are. but um, but uh, you're on there. I'm on there. I helped to write it. Um, so Lloyd was the very first speaker at our Challenge Success Conference in 2003. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Making Caring Common and Challenge Success are, are, are starting to work more together. We're, we're all sort of aligned philosophically. 
Um, so I definitely um, am happy to say, you know, that I signed it happily. You know, uh, Dean of Admissions at Stanford is not on that. A little controversial. Couldn't convince him. Why not? I don't know that I can speak for him truthfully on the record. I can tell you off the record. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but but let me say, I mean, because there there are I haven't gotten as cynical about this world as a lot of people have. Um, Good. I'm really trying. <laughs> I like that about you. You know, I mean, I mean, and and I'm trying to um, to sort of justify that, right? Which is a big point of why I'm doing this podcast. Yeah. It's like, yeah. is it really this? It's not. No, it's not this bad. I mean, part of it, some of it is, and some of it is. But I was shocked, you know, that there was, that there were, I guess I don't know. And then the more I thought about, it, I wasn't that shocked. But I was really, I was really surprised to see that there were a lot of people who were like, "This is BS." You know, they were like, this is so, like, give me a break. You know, I don't know whether they thought it was just, like, you know, pipe dream that'll never happen or or what. But, I mean, that these were some really, I thought, very, very good, well-considered, concrete kinds of things. So I want to ask you about APs. That was one of the things that they say okay. in, the, in, the, in the report is, right. you know, colleges can make it known, right. you know, and limit the number of APs that you, you know, are going to ask your kids to, to submit in their application. Right. And right. part of me feels like maybe until there's some sort of like penalty right. <laughs> for taking right. more, right. they're going to be like, yeah, well, okay, fine, but whatever, because right. more is better. Right. But, um, but why, I mean, so generally, I mean, you don't have to talk about per se the dean of Stanford, right. but, but, you know, what's the nature of, you know, the, the pushback against this report from your perspective. Well, I think I think you, you hit it on, on the head when you, you said some people think it's just, it's, some people will say, we do this already. Okay, so let's take that. And I should say also that, you know, and, and what, what, what those guys, Lloyd and Rick would say is, it, and probably you would say, was that this is not like baked. No. This is not like done and no. out of the oven. No. You know, it's still, really it's still a beginning. real work in progress. Yeah. So they haven't figured out accountability, and I don't know that there will be accountability. I mean, part of what writers do and podcasts do is to spark dialogue and I think the more you can get people talking about this the more you can get people aware that there is a problem that colleges are working on it that you've got to do your part as a parent or a family or a student or a school as well that it kind of we're all in this together I think the better so anything that sparks dialogue is is really important I think some schools will say we're already doing this. You know, Stanford makes it very clear. They say it's not the kids with the most APs they get in, and, and they stand by that. You know, there's not a magic uh, way to arrange yourself to ensure that you get into Stanford. It's probably the same is true for Rochester. I mean, it, you're looking. That's the same is true for any for any place that says, you know, there's no minimum requirements for admission. Right. And people don't believe that. Um, they really believe that test Denise, scores... Denise, they're coming for you. <laughs> the noise is here. Your they found audience you. is going to be like, where are they? I think the reason why some people aren't signing it is they're taking offense at like a small little part. And so if they can't, if they don't like all of it, they're not going to Any of it? Like, any, well, so, 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 um, or is there one primary Some offending? people don't like the mandatory service kind of idea that, 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 so a part of turning the tide is a real focus on service opportunities. One of that, which I happen to really love is like the kid who goes home and has to take care of his siblings, yeah. that that counts as service and you don't have to go to Guatemala and build houses for Habitat for Humanity. Like this, this is your, your, your service. But, but, but also as someone who comes out of the service learning movement, I know the value 
of you know wealthy kids going and 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 partnering with uh, kids in lower socioeconomic neighborhoods to work on problems together. And I think what's behind that service notion is really this idea and the research that bears out around the power of service, the power of working with others, the power of becoming a change agent. I think the pushback for some people is in turning the tide, they, we recommend a sustained service opportunity over time. And they're worried that that's just gonna be more people playing the game. How do you know when it's legit and real versus it was forced or coerced or it's another gimmick to get into college. They'll, they'll game, just like they do school, they're gonna do service, they're gonna game service. So what, the way I deal with that is I say- Campbell's law. Right, right. right. That we, 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 prevent, we produce a value of, you know, social value and you do whatever it takes to, 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 to meet the goal. Of- so here's how I live with that. If you're gonna game anything, I can live with gaming service because you're still going to be doing it. Even if you're doing it for the total wrong reasons, you know, ends justifies the means, I'm doing it to get in, I'm a total cynic, you will still get some benefit out of doing that service. So I'm okay with that. Unless the child is a diagnosed sociopath, in which case there's like, you know, they'll do great in, you know, the housing market and Wall Street, right? Right. on the matter of APs, you know, and, and this is something that I, I, we have had in, in our admissions office to, you know, fairly regularly calibrate, which is as we take notes, some folks tend to maybe slip into a habit uh, as they as they take notes and reading applications um, of 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 sort of a typing up a ratio. This kid took four out of an available certain number. The tighter that ratio, the better it is, right? Boo. Boo. Right. Yeah, I know, I know. And so I'm trying to, I mean... Can't you control your <laughs> colleagues? <laughs> well, we're working on it. Okay. I mean, we're working on it. And, it, and it's not, it, it's, a, it's a, an iterative process with a lot of controls and people looking at stuff. They haven't seen each other in a really long I time. I can that's okay. Local flavor, local color. Local, yeah. So the matter of um, quantity of APs. You gotta get out of that. But I, but and the, and there are schools that have not, and there are some that have, but there are some that absolutely have not put any breaks on what their kids can take AP wise. And I see 10, 11, 12. I mean, am I do? Should I be impressed by that? No. So here's the thing. We have a white paper on our website, free, go to challengesuccess.org, download it, uh, on APs. Yeah. And we, what we did is we looked at the research the past 10 years, decade worth of research. Are they worth it? First of all, even if you take it all in high school. And I should say yeah. that you're talking very specifically about APs, this product by the college but You're not talking about college prep Coursework. No, because there's no. IB and yes. there's this and there's all no, that. You're talking about specifically about I'm AP. Not talking about dual. AP is arguably probably the most ubiquitous sure. college prep thing that's there. So this right. is so why. So we did not yeah. study IB. We're working with the IB folks now to maybe study IB. But right now we just studied advanced placement courses yeah. and people who take the advanced placement tests. Yeah. So if you look at the research, majority of the kids who take those APs end up taking those classes again in college. Mm -hmm. Why? Because colleges often have varying policies and don't count them or only count them if you get a certain a certain score or you have to then 
take its the college's own test and place higher to make it count, you know, all sorts of rules. Um, they also believe that they'll do better if they retake it in college, which shows you sort of the value of the AP. Um, and what many of them will say is after they take the test, they don't remember the, the, the content. So they have to retake the class in college. So if you're doing it to sort of shorten length of time at a university, it's, it's very, very rare that that happens. And when it does happen, it's usually by maybe a semester. It's not usually by a full year. So. Now, someone will say, well, it's how I'm gonna get in. So as a token for college admissions, it really depends on the college. Because there are some that will say, like Stanford, it, you don't look at how many you take. There are colleges that will say, you must take the most rigorous classes available to you. Think of what that does to a kid, right? So I'm a mom of a kid who is a humanities person. So she was excited to take AP US History and AP English. She's not at all excited to take the AP Sciences. Why would she, just for the sake of getting in, why would she do something that she's not excited about when she is perfectly challenged in the regular classes, she's not bored in the regular classes, why would she do that? Right? That, that's what they do. They all do that. But it's ridiculous. They don't, because these kids, they don't like community service, but they do it. They gotta do it. Yeah, but it's right? like, why are we in this sort of do it, take your medicine kind of mentality? You know, life is short. Yeah. So, um, what I say to my kids is, you don't want to go to a school, a university, that's going to ding you for not taking a class that you're not interested in. Yeah. So take that university off the list. Don't add AP Physics to your... But that's their dream one. No, it's not. Then it's not their dream one. If it's making them do things like that, then it's not their dream school. What about the argument? This is one of my favorite things that I, I really want to talk to. Um, you know, a, a, like, like a okay. psychologist, like a really like a neuroscientist about this. Um, because we've, we've been spending some time talking about the brain. Okay. There was this article by Newt Gingrich. Oh boy. Remember him? Yes, I do. Do you have his picture that. up on your fridge? Decided he's not running for president. I know. That's a bummer. He wrote an article that was literally titled something like, It's time to do away with adolescence. And he said, As a social construct, it has failed. And then he writes these, you know, uh, the, the proof, uh, you know, for him is that, oh, who was it? Um, John Quincy Adams, you know, went to college at 14. And, you know, that was that's sort of what we should be thinking about here. You know what I mean? Um, that we have system. that we have made these kids soft suck it up I don't care if you don't like math I don't care if you don't like to you know deal with it yeah I don't think we've made kids soft I I, I, I don't I'm gonna we've rounded with the, the corners off things we've put rubber on the we bubble wrap the, you know what I mean we, we helicopter <clears throat> parent right. we snow plow we bubble wrap we snow plow that was one that was the, that's a good one snow I like that yes yeah. I know yeah. removing everything in front of the Kids, Someone so else was talking about submarine parenting. Oh, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's all sorts of metaphors. Yeah. Um, so this is what I think. I I think the system that has not changed since the Carnegie units were invented. What's that? The Carnegie unit is the people years and years and years ago who decided you should take math, history, English, all the science. They decided what was important. They decided what to call these subject areas. So in life. You do not face a problem, and this problem doesn't say, I am solely a, a history problem. I am solely uh, a math problem. We are facing global warming. Global warming is an interdisciplinary problem. So this idea of, of forces being in the discipline and suck it up and take, everyone should take math 
is ridiculous. Now, are there some basic things that everyone ought to know? This is what educators spend their time, right? I, I teach curriculum construction at Stanford. What is it that at base every citizen needs to know? Yeah. Spoiler alert, it is not calculus. Okay. Right? And yet we, so. Somehow I've ambled along with did you, did zero you not take calculus. calculus. And yeah. you got into USC. Oh yeah. That well, would I'd, probably not happen today. Yeah, I had blackmail on the admissions there you go. I'm just kidding but. Um, no seriously I, USC right. is tough 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 right. I, I, I you know my own daughter said to me I'm really much more interested in statistics than calculus Denise you just did this thing you just said wow good for you USC that's tough to get into no stop I said stop doing that not, right no I said Don't you would not get in today I'm not saying that's right or wrong okay right they would miss out right. on you they are missing out on the you's that's a problem, Man. right? Well, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I have I have faith in my friends at the admissions office at, at USC that Do they're you? doing some things that, okay. that you know. But but yeah, those things are there, right? Those you know, and it, those those U.S. News and World Reporty things are all firmly in place, and you've got presidents and boards of trustees that want people to jump up those ranks and everything. But all right, I I rescind my fist pound. Problem. I just wanted to no. Check I never. That. In fact, I'm really pretty uh, careful. So whenever someone says they're going to such and such place, I always say, that's great. Mm -hmm. That's a great school for you. Mm -hmm. I don't care what they say because I, they've selected it. It's, so it's a great school for them. It's about this time of year that I feel this, this, this sort of um, metaphysical groan collectively on the part of the recent grads sitting at their high school graduation backyard right. parties, right. talking to all of the uh, grownups who are... Well, they what decorate are you gonna their do cap? Do with they do this on the East Coast? They, you, you decorate your, your cap with your... With the place you're going to go? place you're going to go. I so always thought that the, these kids should just put print out like little quarter sheets. Yeah. With like bullet points. Like, here's what's going on. Review. And they always say, what are you going to major in? <laughs> you don't know. You're 18 yeah. years old. So we have this little mantra at Challenge Success. <coughs> don't ask where they're going to go to college. Ask why. If mm -hmm. you have to ask a question, mm. don't ask where you're going. Ask why. I really like that. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. We also don't talk about safety schools. Yeah. We talk about likely schools. Right. Because you have to like them. Right. So, um, anyway, what I was saying about statistics and calculus is here's a kid who knows that it would be much more useful in life, in real life, and for what she wants to do in life, to take that statistics course. But everyone, college counselor, teachers, current math teacher, blah, 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 is saying no. Because that, in the hierarchy of how colleges look at things, ridiculous as it may sound looks like a lower level class than calculus mm -hmm. so it's crazy but the point is you know, she's taking calculus next I mean, year it's, it's valuable to get introduced to these subject areas you know if only to identify that you're not cut out for it you know but it's not valuable to do them all to death which is to say to do them all at the AP level right if you are not if interested in the subject do not take it as an AP. That is my rule number one. If you have no interest in it as a subject, do not take it as an AP. Should all kids take APs? No. No. Why? What if I mean what if you're interested in, in, in some subjects and, and but then great. So we I believe, as does Jay Matthews, who I often spar with, I believe in open access to APs with a safety net, right? I believe we have some schools that do there's one class and you're either taking it for AP credit or not. And there's some different things that you might do if you're taking it for AP credit, but everybody's benefiting from high-level conversation. Everyone's benefiting from high-level reading. That's how it should be. Everyone should benefit from 
meaty, you know, rigorous, wrap your head around and get excited type of classes. And unfortunately at some schools, sometimes that's only the AP classes. So what we see more often at large public high schools is you either have to take an AP class to get that stimulating, wonderful, great teacher or conversation, or you're in the lower level class with the kids who are not motivated at all, or the teacher who's just, you know, kind of phoning it in, and there's nothing in between. So you have to take the crazy, crazy load because otherwise you're literally not going to be challenged at all. That's a problem. Do teachers feel like their hands are bound by the AP curriculum? A hundred percent. The schools that we're working with to eliminate APs, um, the teachers will say, one teacher took a sabbatical, half year sabbatical, and went to the colleges that their kids feed into and interviewed a whole bunch of science professors and said, what are the skills you want to see kids coming into your college with in science? And is the AP Bio, AP Physics, AP Chem trio, is that preparing the kids? And the professors resoundingly said, no. What we want to see is more lab work, more mm -hmm. understanding of critical thinking, thinking outside the box. Design your science classes around that. Who cares what you call them? Mm -hmm. And we will start taking your kids. The College Board must be listening to this. Yeah, they're not too happy with me. But they themselves admit that some of their courses have been problematic. They're reinventing their courses. Uh, and they've, they've come up with this thing called AP Capstone, which could be really good if done well. I've, I'm a little cynical after visiting some schools, and it's new, it's new. I'll give them a little time to work out the tweaks, but some of the schools are saying it's really not working. But the idea behind AP Capstone is very good, where you can go deep, you can choose what it is you want to study, you have a mentor. That is more like what you do in college. Mm -hmm. So I'm okay with that one, right. if done well. All right, so you have the opportunity to, you know, say some magic words and all of a sudden one very major policy shift occurs and generates outcomes that you're, that you're looking to, to have happen through your, your hard work minus magical influence. Uh, what is it? Um, that is a really good question. Wow. I would love for college admissions officers to stop telling kids to take the most rigorous courses available at their schools. And the reason I'm saying that is not because I'm anti-rigor, but that message gets translated to, if there's an AP class, I've got to take it. If there's an IB track, I've got to be in it. If there's this, I've got to do it. And, and, and so that message is not leading to outcomes that are good for anybody. And I, having now just done a whole bunch of college tours with my middle child, you hear it on almost every tour. And sometimes it's really bad the way they say it. Like, if say, you don't take these, you yeah, will not get in. They don't say a rigorous course, though. They say the, the most. most. The most. Now, we've been looking at pretty selective schools. So I don't know what they say at, you know. Are they turning the tide signatories? I believe they are. You see? So, like, what's going on? I know. It's going to take a while to turn the tide. Yes. Um, the new rendition, I don't know if Rick and Lloyd have said this, but they're collecting examples from admissions departments that have made changes so that we can put out case studies, um, which I think is going to be really useful. Uh, how have you changed your questions? How have you changed your requirements? How have you changed how you're looking and ranking kids? Um, you know, how have you incorporated service as part of, of, of the admissions process? 
How have you become more transparent? These are good things to ask admissions offices to do. I don't, I, I really don't want to sort of downplay the weight of what you just said, because that's really, um, I mean, you're a very well-respected, if controversial, as you said yourself, uh, in certain circles, scholar on this issue. I gave you magic. No, you said no, you no, couldn't no. use magic. No, 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 no. Did I misunderstand? Okay, but I said, let's, oh. no, no, no. I think that what you said would take magic. Okay, Okay, yeah. a little for, bit. For people to stop saying Okay, that. but let this, okay, this, there, okay, there was fair, some, there fair. was some, um, so, sorry. You know, to achieve the outcomes that you were, that you were trying to achieve now without magic, because you don't have magic now, but if you had it, what would you do? Okay. So, but still, but still, but still, this is really, really important. I don't want to lose this. Okay. That what you said is, you know, <laughs> me and my peeps are, uh, are 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 driving this thing into the ground. Not in this you thing. You play a role. And let you me play a role. But yes. let me say like, yeah, but but like, and then and, and driving this thing in the ground. That's a euphemism for kids getting hospitalized you know and suicide rates being what they are and um and, and bad stuff and these are our kids man it's not just it's not just the colleges but it is the college so everyone has to be a part of the solution or they are part of the problem and i mean and, and, and in fairness i didn't sit here and i didn't give you like a half hour to come up with like the perfect thing that's no but, uh, but, well, that's I, a, but if that's... i had magic i want to i want to say one other answer yes please okay? magic. Here's my, if i had magic uh -huh. i would find a way to get every kid at the right fit college for them. The right fit college meaning it fits their definition of what they want, whether it's big school, small school, rural, whatever, it fits their uh, ability to be challenged and have excellent communication and dialogue. The colleges want them and they want them. I want it to be much more about a match. I really do. Because you guys don't know what you're getting. You are at the mercy of a, of a of a GPA and some test scores, <coughs> essays written by who knows who for how much money, <laughs> and a list of extracurricular activities that you don't know if this is the kid's passion or if they just did it because their mom made them or, you know, I, I mean, you're, you've got it tough. I feel for you guys. What, if there was some magical way where you could really know deeply this is the right fit kid for Rochester, and they're gonna add to this environment in so many different ways. And that kid knows Rochester is so special to me because of this, this, and this, and I could totally see myself there. And it's not like there's only one out there. Right. There's many right fit colleges for these kids. Yeah. But to make it a much easier process of finding that match, because right now it is not. No one can be everything to all kids. Mm -hmm. you, you're gonna specialize. That's so, why there's 4,000 of these places. Exactly. And there are 4,000, not 20 not 30. So um, another thing that I say in my talks, which shocks people, <laughs> is if you look at what is considered highly selective universities, that's anyone who takes less than 50% of their applicants. That's, that's the definition. Selective is people who select. Highly is 50. Some people will say less than 75%, 75, right? 25. I mean, it's, right? you know, 99%, they could, they could say no to 1% of their applicants to so be selective. But, right. So but highly is you, 50. If you do 50, to, let's give you 75. Let's go 50 okay. to 75. There are over 200 mm -hmm. in the United States alone. Mm -hmm. 
So what I tell the parents is I say, go learn the other 190 that you've never heard. <laughs> that is literally the line that I say. Yeah. Do your homework. It's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. And They'd so rather again, just look at the list and know. It would be way easier if there was some, again, magical way to know. I love that there's virtual tours now. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be wealthy and fly to Boston like I just had to do, right? There's, there's um, you know, you guys come out. Right? There's regional yeah. people who come out to these things and talk to kids. And I think that, you know, one of the things that I try to help people understand is that, you know, because because there is so much strategery around uh, applying to college that, you know, don't add to your strategy the campus visit. Um, Which some campuses do, by the way. They count that and they say, it's make sure you sign in because we count that towards a, a thumb on the lever for you. Okay, so we do too, but... You do? But... Listen, but points are not discounted for not having visited. You know what I mean? And there is no reasonable expectation that um, students of middle to lower socioeconomic means find their way across country or even from New York City right. to Rochester right. to visit campus. Right. And we know that, you know, right. and so we, we, we take that into account. Okay. If a kid's from down the road or if a kid is from New York City and, you know, goes to uh, Bronxville High School, yeah. uh, they should probably find their way there because there's really, you know, not many excuses, uh, right. you know, I mean, and plus just for, just for their benefit. Right, right. But, yeah. But it is, there are many schools, you know, uh, again, my daughter was sick on the day that the regional rep from a school that she really wanted to go to, and I said, you're not going, you're sick, you have a fever. But, but they counted, I, I the know The regional they rep had many other schools to visit, and thanks your daughter for staying yeah, home Yeah, I know, but day. they do count it. They do count it, right? And so she was devastated. I'm not going to get in because they count it. I said, send an email. How do they know I'm not just lying? I'm like, Allie, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, you're, you're, you just did the, you know, ending sentence at, with sigh and ellipsis because there isn't, what can you do? We're trying. I know you're trying. You're trying. We're all trying to be on the same page. But more people have to try. How do we get there, Denise? Education. Magic? Magic and education. I like the magic. <laughs> I'm on the side of education. So yeah. I'm out there pounding the pavements and trying to educate parents and students. I don't do a lot on the college side. We kind of focus on the high school education side. Although I have spoken at NACAC. I was a keynote speaker years ago there in Texas um, but but, uh, but there are good people like Lloyd and Rick working on the college side so we're all trying to change this crazy process and people recognize that there's a problem they do um, which is step one yes. in recovery yes it is right yes it is and education is magic right I like to think so don't you think so I do think so me too and I do think and this is the other thing I say you might not like this even if you keep the, saying that, and I have yet to I not know, like yeah, anything. So this is, I said. like you. I like yeah. you. So even if the colleges don't change at all, I can at least say this kid in high school got more sleep, cheated less, and was more engaged. And maybe they didn't get into the school that they wanted to get into. I'm not so worried about that because I just affected four years of that kid's life yeah. that I know they're going to take those habits with them and apply it to whatever school was smart enough to realize that that kid is a gem. You're right. I hate every piece of that. <laughs> I don't care. In other words, I'm okay. Like, even even if the colleges don't change, I'm kind of okay with that because 
of where I focus, I can see that I'm making a difference. And it's really hard tilting at those windmills yeah. to get college admissions officers to change. It's really hard to get them to change. Well, I hope uh, I hope you can continue to grow and to continue to get people to hear about it. Um, all 19 people that listen to this podcast will hear about it. Yay! So, um, thank yeah, you. So thank you. No, thank you. Thank you for doing what you do. I know podcast is part of education, and uh, I'll try to get more than 17 people to to listen to this. In fact, if you tell me when this is coming on, we will post it on our social media. What? And we have at least double 17 now. Yeah, that's pretty good. So yeah, we'll get, um, no, I'll totally spread the word. Yeah. Awesome. In fact, people should know about this podcast anyway, regardless. So so. um, send send us. I agree. Yeah. No, be good. (laughs) Be good. Yeah. Thanks, Denise. So a really interesting talk, and man, if you think about it, this is pretty sad. Uh, it's pretty sad what our kids are going through. It's really not okay, and I think we're better than this. You know, these stakes seem really high for us in admissions, in particular, to help our kids get the right information about what it is we really expect of them during their time in high school. A lot of us say one thing and do another, and I'm sure that's a big part of the criticism of some of the latest efforts to make changes, that things really won't ever change enough that you know we're happy with the system as it works for us on the college side and everybody else just needs to deal with it. I know how hard it can be, especially for admissions counselors who are new to the game, to know how honest they can be with families. And for families, I know how hard it is for us to tell you and for you to have to hear over and over again, it depends as an answer to your questions. I know how hard it is to hear that kids maybe shouldn't stress out about the SAT scores, but when they look around at who in their high school got admitted to a particular college, it becomes clear that those scores matter a great deal, right? It's a recurring theme on this podcast to continue to discuss preparation for college in terms of less stress, less strategizing and gaming, less worry that things won't work out in life, that you won't be able to afford college, that all those things that make this whole experience feel like a crush just aren't worth it as Denise said a few times, and we're working on it. We really are. I think what she's doing is evidence of that, and uh, I know that we are on the college side as well. You know, We do hope things get better, and some good people like Denise are hard at work on it. So it's your turn in high school to try and begin to trust us and take care of yourself because, to paraphrase Denise, you're the only you you've got, and it's got to last your whole life. That's it. Thanks, folks. Uh, contact me in all kinds of myriad ways that I've already said a lot. And uh, hang in there. Enjoy your summer. Have fun. Y'all still know what that is, right? Till next time. <laughs>